make me feel so young You make me feel like spring has sprung Like the way he's speaking His confidence is peaking Don't like his baggy jeans But I'ma like what's underneath him and Love is a Surfing 18, and today we are doing the epic 100th episode celebration, which is probably the loose definition of epic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're we're taking some creative license with the English language here, (laughs) or ironic or sarcastic. Um, I think this is probably perhaps the weakest one of the weakest episodes of season five, but that's my personal opinion. Um, when I did signups, nobody chose this episode to do. So I picked the three of you. Congratulations. Well, thanks a lot. We, we feel, we feel chosen. We feel honored. She just and loves us so much. <laughs> oh, oh, and you know what? I should introduce my guests because that's what a proper host does. So <laughs> if you guys could be kindly introduce yourselves to the audience. Sure. Uh, hi, I'm RB, also known as C. Kerouac on Tumblr. And today's quote unquote epic podcast is brought to you by Trader Joe's Lemon Elderflower Soda. Highly <laughs> recommend. It's bubbly and nice. And I'm not drinking for this episode. Interesting. I'm giving you my full attention. Bask, bask in it. Well, I am Kitty, and I am Slayer Kitty on Tumblr, and nothing I say will compare to that, so I'm just going to leave it right there. Yeah, and I'm Lisa. I'm Crocky Quantum Queen on Tumblr. Yeah, this is my second time on the pod, so Woo-hoo! let's see how it goes. You came back. I came back, yeah. We didn't scare you off. No, and, I didn't. And... and and we we tend to be a little intimidating when RB and I get together, and so just feel free to shove yourself right in there, and we'll exactly. shut up. Exactly. Um. So okay. So the hundredth episode was supposedly a big deal because it's been a hundred episodes. Um. 
Well, basically, it just means that they get syndication. Woo! Woohoo! Is it even airing in syndication anywhere? No. No! (laughs) (laughs) It was at one point um, when they were doing all that stuff with Oxygen and the reality show stars and and the Glee Project thing. It was airing in syndication then. But it's not now, as far well, as I know. Is, unless this isn't really the type of show that they tend to lean on for syndication. Most things that are successfully syndicated are half-hour comedies or mm-hmm. hour-long crime dramas. Yeah. Well, I so, think like, also... there are 17 different versions of CSI, and you can see them all day. Or you could see... Um, episodes of friends in the middle of the day but i think in the age of digital media i just don't see syndication as because before i remember back when i was like a teenager and if you miss the episode of friends it'll be on at five o'clock when you get home from school but now you can just hop on and watch it on your whatever. I don't yeah, think that syndication isn't really for people who are like oh i need to catch this i missed that one syndication is more for I'm doing dishes in the middle of the day. I'm going to turn on something so that there's noise in the background. It, when it's I'm not home, for, it's not during for people the who day. are trying to keep up with what's going on. It's uh, I just need noise, which is why you see really uh, awarded shows like Rules of Engagement or other things <laughs> starring David Spade. <laughs> That come on for multiple hours <laughs> on at least two different channels that I can find on my TV that I, I, I just don't get. Well, I well, remember when um, Friends used to be on like 15 times a day. Like you could turn on any yeah. channel oh, it between it still 2 is. and 7 and Friends would be on. Yeah, somewhere. it's on on TBS, I think, in the middle of the day. Mm. Um, well, the other one, the one of the stations that really banks their money on syndicated TV shows is TNT. Yeah. So if you turn on TNT between like nine and five, you're going to get two yeah. hours of syndicated TV shows. It's like the first two hours is this show and the second two hours is this yeah. show. I know in the afternoon they air Bones for two hours and uh, in the morning they air Supernatural for two hours. Mm-hmm. So, it, I- but... Yeah, it's the same type of shows. Yeah, so Glee doesn't really fit in with a lot of things that currently tend to be favored for syndicate. I mean, they're no Golden Girls. No. But it's also more of a serious... I mean, like, you wouldn't syndicate Lost and watch it because you turned down a random season four episode and Lost, you'd be lost. So... But it's syndication for people who've never seen it before, because I feel like syndication is really for people who've seen the show before. And it's like, oh, man, that one episode of whatever show is on, let me flip it over to CNT and and watch it. But at the same time, now that you can watch all of them at once at Hulu, I I just feel like syndication is a dying thing because. And you may be right, but I also feel like, you know, for people who watch those shows and everything's, you know, every season of every show is on the whatever streaming service is more to attract newer viewers. Yeah. Who are going to binge every episode back to back to back versus people who just stumble across an episode. Oh, there's nothing else on. I'm just going to watch this random episode. Yeah. Of and law and order. And are of a certain age. Cause let's be real. I don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong, I guess. Okay. 
<laughs> so anyway, about this episode, um, <laughs> um, the thing about this episode, it was it's basically two episodes, and this is actually the first half of it. Um, New Directions, the one after it, I think is far superior. But this one, I get the feeling that what they were trying to do was bring it back to some old school feelings. And they were trying to go season two and miss the mark and got into season three instead. Because (laughs) you have all of these plot lines going on and you have... A lot and to of be throwbacks. honest, none of them are great plot lines. No, and they're all throwbacks to season three plot lines. All of the stuff that happens in this season, or this particular episode, are threads that were kind of left in season three or See, I have things that were big. Plot lines that I actually really like. I re- I really what? like I really like the Quinn and Puck stuff. Oh well, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Then okay. Um, and so, and I think what they were trying to do was get the RBs, not necessarily the SOs. Um, meaning they were trying yeah, what's to. What's the meaning with that? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see where you're going with this. Meaning I think that she's they saying that they were trying to pay more attention to, you know, the people who gave up on it than the people who stuck with it. Right. Maybe. Yeah. That, I mean, that's I, what I'm saying. I mean, hmm. it was. So, it was. Go ahead. I think that there are there's some really good bones to this episode that could have been a better episode that was kind of um, what's the term? It was a misfire on a lot of it, but I think that there was a, an idea of mm-hmm. of what could have been a really interesting show that got built up in the wrong way because I think that if they had gone with the idea of how do you, how do you deal with ghosts from your past? Mm. I think that that could have been a really interesting episode. And they kind of touched on that in a number of things. And they had, they had Rachel say that when she's having that awful talk with Mercedes in the bathroom. And there, there were some really interesting ways that they could have gone that I don't think they did really well. And I also think that it would have been more interesting if we hadn't seen these characters in a while, if it actually was them coming back. But I don't feel like I learned anything new because I, Mm see all of these people in all of the other on episodes. top of that though rb as you've often mentioned all of these characters stories that came back would have been way more interesting had it been five ten years down the road yep. you aren't even out of right. school one year at this absolutely point. and absolutely. you know as far and they're coming as back all the time. <laughs> well oh. they were just there in the fall because yeah. they were there for finn's memorial right it's that it's, wasn't even five it hasn't like even been six every, months yet everything is so condensed every we've seen all these people we know what's going on it's not like these people are reuniting for the first time in years it's not that we're learning something new about these characters so i think that there was a nugget of a good idea that got built out in a poor way well and i think and going back to my original comment i think that they were trying to not base it on the timeline that was like within the actual show what was going on, but they were trying to say, "Hey, you haven't been watching since season three. Come and join us and like catch up with these characters and right. that kind of." Whereas the people that have been there forever, I, I think the next episode kind of plays to them more a little bit better. Um, but like, and well, maybe that's why I don't hate this one as much as. I don't hate it. I just well, think that it's I, I think weaker. I think maybe than... I, I liked some of the storylines in it more than others because this is one that I did 
watch when it aired, even though I did not watch most of season five because I because I, I didn't care about the new kids or any of that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so so if they were looking for RBs, then then they did get um, some. Not enough to keep the show on the air, but. Yeah, but what, what what struck me about the episode is that it felt so kind of sad to me or kind of pathetic. I mean, I think it if it ended up, yeah, I'm sorry, but like if it no, and, I just oh, no, I, I, I love that description because I'm thinking about it and I, I think you are right. Yeah. I mean, if it would have been like a celebration of the past or so, I just, it always, it felt so weird watching it because I was, I well, was always like, what are you trying to do? It, I it think, felt like think, it a, think about it if it had been five years in the future. If these are kids who had graduated and they hadn't talked to each other, they had lost touch, they had um, had had life experiences that were influencing how they interacted with their hometown that maybe they left, maybe they mm. didn't that would have been much more interesting. And I think that that could have played in a little bit to that. Is it, is it sad that you've changed? Is it sad that you haven't? What do you lose when you leave? Is it okay to reinvent yourself? Should you always be the person who you were at 17 or 18? And I think that there's a lot of that that is really interesting when people play with that in Mm. media and in storytelling. And this is, there are, they're 19. (laughs) Well, and I think that, I think that the bigger picture, when you look at this episode, when you look at these three episodes, because city of angels, 100 and new directions kind of all go together in this big giant, like trilogy of ending. And I think that this is where this series ends in an, in a a way that they're Mm -hmm. closing up. And, but at this, you know, they're doing it on this note, of kind of like a, a, a sad note because what the rest of the series is going to be is going to be well, like we've got this little island of the New York arc, but season six is all going to be about rebuilding and starting over and making a new thing and going off from there. And so I think the reason that this is such a downer is that it's ending everything that came before it, but also with this notion that they are going to start from the bottom and work their way up for season six. So I just think that there was also a lot of missed opportunity in mixing, you know, the older kids with the newer kids. Like they still have that disconnect. I think that they, I, okay. So looking again at the bigger picture, they have been phasing out yeah, at that point, they were really they, starting to phase them out well, because they knew but, what was yeah. going to happen, what, like three episodes down the line. But looking at these three episodes together, kind of, and this is kind of the middle one, but like the, I just did the podcast with City of Angels, and that is all newbie focused and all focused on these characters that we've been with for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. And the one after this is going to focus more on the seniors, on Tina and Sam and Blaine and and kind of wrapping up that portion of it um, where and wrapping up the plot line set up in this particular episode. But um, this one is kind of of a, a focus on these older characters that maybe we haven't spent these dynamics with in a long time. Like bringing back Britanna, bringing back Puck and Quinn, even the Mercedes Rachel stuff has not been touched up on a long time. And so that is why these guys get the focus. But I think what the problem is that it's a good idea to 
bring that back, I think. But the problem is that literally no one moved on from what it was like before. Mm -hmm. I don't like I don't has anyone changed because I mean, that would have been interesting. Like if maybe some people. Right. Would have changed in some way, but it just felt like they were all stuck in the past. Again, bones, no they were just rehashing the same plot lines yeah. over and over yeah. again. And yep. they weren't that great the first time around. Which is why I said, like, it's very season three, because these plot lines feel like they were taken right out of season three again. So... Um, so let's get into the plot lines a little bit yeah. here. Um, let's start with Will and April, which is uh, more so season two. But um, uh, Yeah, I fast-forwarded through that, so I'm not actually sure what went on with them. <laughs> well, basically, the, the long story short is that he brought Hashtag April honest. <laughs> which is why we have you on the podcast. Yeah. Um, the, and it, there's not very much here, but I just wanted to mention that this is the bones or the, the foundation that April is going to, you know, it's her money. That is used for the auditorium, even though that doesn't make sense with public school, but whatever. Um, and basically, she can no longer fund it because she's, like, wanted by the law. She's in, I don't know, it, she's, I, I don't understand it. It just goes by really fast, and I don't pay attention. But she no longer has any money, um, so she can no longer be any help. And that's kind of the crux of, then she ends up bringing back Holly Holiday um, at the end. When I'll talk about that in a minute, but but at the beginning, like this whole like Glee Club's gonna be saved. Let's celebrate the old times. Um, we brought back April, and she's gonna save us all. And um, um, let's take a second and talk about. I want to talk about Raise Your Glass because. Um, Can I just say one thing though? Hmm. When April comes in and Tina leans over, I don't even remember who she says this to. But she goes, she, she once shop, taught me how to shoplift meat between my legs. Oh, I, Marley is like, what? <laughs> on the floor. Just that's that was such a great line. And it's, you know, that's the kind of thing, you know, the older viewers would have really, you know, cracked up about. There, uh, there were some great lines in this oh, episode. Yeah. Even if the overall plot is kind of meh, there were some great one-liners. Oh yeah. yeah, there's another one we'll talk about when we get to yep. the Clint stuff. You know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> because uh, I agree, and I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, I, I the, the whole basis of this music, of this in the next episode, was to bring back old songs. Um, I remember they had us vote on it, quote-unquote, but I'm pretty sure that they did not actually pick the winners of... Probably because they they were like all clean songs that won, but probably. But um, I think they just probably went back through their like catalog. through sales or something and said, you know, well we want these people to sing and these people to sing and these people to sing and eh, which songs sold well and which ones sound good, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, which ones are cheap for us to get the rights to? That, that oh, yeah. too. Well, so they bring back um, Raise Your Glass, which was, as they point out, originally done by the Warblers. Um, which, can we just talk about logistically, how does she even know that the Warblers did that song? She wasn't around then. She doesn't, though. I mean, there's a whole... It's a little... Maybe she follows blog. the show choir blogs, yeah. too. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> you know, Remember, anybody the, would, sh would follow show choir blogs, it, she would. You know, and she probably has. Um, she's she the really drunk person in blogs. Yeah, no, no. Like, okay, so they say at the end of this, and RB, if you didn't fast forward, you totally would have caught the Cooper budget. But um, 
they said oh, that's right. They, they have a Friends of the Lima Glee Club right. or guests of the Lima Glee Club Facebook page yeah. that has five people on it. Yeah. It's, and Cooper <laughs> is one of them. <laughs> uh, I would like to say that this is the first episode where the first person to bring up Cooper was not me. Well, <laughs> I was I was refraining, especially when we're talking well, about like because it feels like a season three, and I'm sitting here going, "You could mention Cooper, you could, you could, you got scolded for it in the when, last that you recorded." When April brings Holly in, and and everyone's like, "WTF? How do you two even know each other?" She's like, "Oh, we're all on the the guests of the Lima Glee Club or McKinley High Glee Club Facebook page, or I don't remember what she said it was called, and it's got you know along with your brother Cooper or something like that, and we're all just like, no, it's it along with um, Blaine's brother and Mr. Martinez, Ricky Martin, and I don't know who the last person was, but was it Brian Ryan? Uh, yeah, Brian Ryan. So basically, we're just yeah. assuming that Cooper has boned every member of this Facebook group. Probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, so they do raise your glass, and as much fun as the cast looks like they are having while doing it, it's awful. Mm. <laughs> it's really bad. It's candles bad. It's worse than candles. It's worse than, <laughs> it's candles. Worse than candles. It's worse than candles. Candles um, is listable. I, I mean, I don't hate candles. This is worse than candles. This is worse. Than, and I hate candles. And, and she does hate candles. candles. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, it's not good with Kristen Chenoweth's voice. Well, you know, the auto tune. That too. They auto-tune both of them to the point where, I mean, you have these two really great Broadway singers and you don't, instead of letting them, I mean, I guess the production value, they were like in a hurry, but like, you don't let either of them sing. You just auto-tune the crap out of them to the point where the song just sounds ridiculous. It doesn't sound good. So, but yeah, Kristen Tenema sounds awful on this song. I mean, at least Will sounds listenable, but uh, yeah. That's just my two cents. <laughs> agree. Okay. I mean, I you are, we all agree it's terrible. Most people. You're more than welcome to disagree with me. Just, I mean, as always, but like this. That's good because I've been keeping in a lot of feelings over these past few years of doing the podcast. <laughs> I've, I've really tried she's, to hold my tongue so that. So she's that now <laughs> going to proceed to air all of her issues. There's just going to be one podcast episode where it's the airing of Arby's grievances. <laughs> oh, okay. Are you sure we haven't done it yet? Um, <laughs> not, not all in one spot. Actually, you know what? That could probably be a super cut at some time. <laughs> it's just going to be like ten, 20 solid minutes of recordings of me going, look. So I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was that great. And here's why. <laughs> well, that's okay. Because I will just throw back in your face. People have different opinions. Everyone has different opinions. Um, so anyway. Yeah, we all agree that this one was terrible. So, was. But I it's think terrible. I have one good I have one good thing to say about okay. it. I think. Um, no, I just <laughs> noticed that the song actually, it like, it fits 
worked. It it, it works for the new directions. Mm-hmm. So thematically, I think it would actually work better than for the warblers because the warblers are not really. Oh, maybe they are dirty that little. Was I don't uh, know. Uh, so we I get what you're saying. Blazers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that like, up at Hogwarts where they aren't allowed out. Okay, so maybe it does work for the warblers too. Yeah. You know what, Arby? She just went up against you with a different opinion. I know. You gotta give her credit. You are a scary person and not many people can do that. (laughs) Back in season two when the Warblers originally did this song, a lot of people said, but it doesn't fit the Warblers. It would be better if New Directions did it. And that was a valid argument back in season two. So I support you in that because people do think that and I but I see it both ways so I think it could go either way as an aside note RB I was just joking I hope you're like not mad at me (laughs) for being obnoxious well that's good because I had stormed out of my place Uh, I had had thrown down a glove as a gauntlet and you're lucky that I could not reach through (laughs) to my computer to really give you a what for. Okay. Are you going to diva out after every rehearsal? I am going to diva out. <laughs> Where is my latte? <laughs> Unacceptable. Unacceptable. <sighs> okay, I'm glad we're good at that. Um, <laughs> so... Um, She's angered the sea god Poseidon again. <laughs> it sounds relatively calm right now. I'm hoping that it stays mm-hmm. calm. Um, now that you mentioned it. Mm, darn it. Okay. Um, so moving on from Razor Glass, which we will do. Like I said, it, if you put it on mute and watch all the kids do like old choreography and dance around, it's really cute. Fun. It is cute. And, I'm and certain that they're having fun, but it's really hard to go up against my two-stepping acapella dirty little freaky <laughs> blazer boys. I will say, I, I appreciate that they had Blaine do a little bit of weird freaky dancing and kind of does his half jump out again. Um, yes. And April honks his nose the way that he honked. She honked Kurt's nose back in Roads Not Taken. So, well, because she's a that. fan, she's a cleaner. Oh yeah. <laughs> I guess we will get As to that in a second. Later. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, let's. Um. Gosh, which plot line should we start with? Um, well, do you want to do Rachel and Mercedes? Because that's kind of it's like two plots on your two spots on your agenda. Well, there's there's Rachel, Mercedes, Queen and then it, and Pac, and mm-hmm. what's the third one? I feel like I've Brittany. Seen the third one. Oh, the Britannia. Brittany and okay. Britannia. Okay. Um, let's do um, let's do Rachel and Mercedes. Okay. Okay. So. Rachel and Mercedes, if you, it's set up in the previous episode that Mercedes has this new album deal, which is kind of the pop version of Rachel's getting Fanny on Broadway. So the two of them come back as if they are, you know, the most famous people ever. They want their red carpet. And I do think this opening montage is a little funny, as ridiculous as it is, um, of them coming back and returning and thinking that they're all hot stuff now. Um, and... 
Um, let's take a second and talk about the Rachel chair, which never existed ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, never existed technically, but in most shots in the choir room, she is front and center. So, I mean, I can, it, the Rachel chair did not bother me because I can totally see how that could be a thing. Well, I like, I do like Mercedes' comment about taking a seat in the back. <laughs> She's going yeah, to the back. That was pointed. Yeah. Um, and all she had to do was push Rachel just a little bit because that little girl would just fall flat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of, do they decide to do a diva off before going on fondue for two or just the fondue for two? It, I thought no, it was that fondue for two that settled it because because they both said that they were going to sing defying gravity yeah and it was like oh, oh god you can't you can't do that that's my song no that's my song we're gonna have a motherfucking diva off okay so while the cats are making out in the background the fondue <laughs> for two which we we haven't seen fondue for two for since season four which is i mean Brittany hasn't been on since season four so that makes sense fondue um, for yeah. two is one of my absolute favorite running <laughs> gags of this series i the thing that i love about this particular fondue for two it is all fourth wall breaking because on the rachel side they say hey rachel you're a full-time broadway star and mm-hmm. a full-time waitress and a full-time a student student <laughs> Isn't it irresponsible for you to leave all of those possessions to come back to a high school meetup? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then we have Mercedes, and this is right after Amber Riley won the mirror ball on Dance with the Stars. And if you've not seen her on Dancing with the Stars, I think you should check it out. She was very amazing and it won was first well place. Deserved. She worked hard she, and she hurt herself to do it. She did a real good job. Yes. So the show points out, you know, what are the rumors that you really can dance, but Mr. Shu, like, are you faked it so that, like, you could just be a park and park? And <laughs> no, comment. Other, no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then, yeah, they, they both decide they are going to sing Defying Gravity. Which, yeah. and, okay, so I, I know that they're going to sing Defying Gravity. And... You know, everyone was like, well, the, you know, that was the Kurt and Rachel Divalov song back, you know, in season one. But then Kurt is in the song for just no reason. Well, yeah, they, they were originally going to. Um, God, this is why I even watched it this morning. But um, Rachel and Kurt were going to sing it again because the assignment was to take old songs and make oh, them new again. Oh, that's right. Okay. And yeah. okay. And they had the weakest idea to reinvent an old song. We're going to sing the different parts. Come on. Except for yeah. if, hilariously they give actually Kurt does get the high note, but we'll talk about yes. that in a second. Yeah. Um I think well that I I more or less I just think that was on purpose, but yeah, it was on purpose. <laughs> well, totally I guess that's the next part of the story. So they do, they have this, um, they have this thing off. They have defined gravity. Um, I, I don't know if I want to talk about Kurt yet. Um, we'll come back to him. We'll come to, back to Kurt. So they have the, the sing off. They do the sing off. And then they do, um, they're going to vote. Before they vote on anything, Santana stands up. And of course she does. <laughs> gives this whole big thing of just because. Okay, so the it context was of this amazing. <laughs> it, it 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 was funny, but at the, you know, 
how do I put this? Like, it's it's so it's Santana, so it was funny, but it was really mean. At the same time, like it's coming from this feud that's been going on the last previous couple of episodes, which really painted Santana in the better light through a lot of this. And then they're like, okay, we're gonna switch it and make you feel sympathy for Rachel. So all I, I remember about her speech was that there was a crack about Kurt's facial hair. Oh yeah, there, that, that and that was funny. <laughs> well, that See, I'm not have, it was mostly, a Santana fan. It was I, mostly funny because both Blaine and Kurt looked at Santana like in unison, and then both of them like practically face palmed in unison. <laughs> I'm not usually a Santana fan. I find her to be a bit much in and 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 not in a funny way. But I thought that this was hilarious. The whole th- like I understand that it was mean. But it was hilarious. We'll see. And then we'll get to the part, like, in season six when she gives Kurt that big rant. And everybody that's hated it. also really funny. I thought it was funny, too. But anyway, <laughs> like, that's kind of the, the same vein. I, I'm not objecting to Santana being mean or not mean. I'm just frustrated with this particular storyline and how, at the end of the day... We have to make Rachel be. But the we better. are always we're no matter what happens, we're always supposed to feel sorry for Rachel because no matter what she has in success, everybody doesn't love her the way that she wants to be loved because she doesn't understand why stepping on people doesn't endear her to them. And so, listening to all of Santana's rant, I'm sitting there going, "I mean, she's got a point. Yeah, there, I, there's nothing that she has said that is a falsehood." So, I mean, I, I I was Team Santana on this, and I think Rachel needed to buck up. But we're well, always yeah. going to have Rachel crying that nobody loves her because, you know, they don't recognize her genius or they don't recognize that it's coming from a place of love when she sabotages people and stomps on them to get where she wants to go. And I don't... I don't understand why we can't just have a female character who, yeah, she stomps on people to get where she wants to go. I don't understand why she needs to be so morally conflicted about it. I don't, you know, now thinking about it, I don't think I have a problem with the Santana part of this. I think it's the Mercedes and Rachel scene that comes up. Oh, yeah, that was infuriating. Okay. So, but I will say the one, one of the best things in this particular rant though is um when he she's like you sold out half of them and you don't know the other half's name and and rachel's like yes i do and santana says well who is this and she points to Ryder, and and she's like rick (laughs) (laughs) should she know their names no but it's still like the rest of the people in in that in you know have made it a point to like learn the newbies and and rachel is often rachel land yeah, so. because they all came back like as mentors. So. <laughs> I mean, I don't the, even know these new kids' names. Of all the people who've come back to visit, she's the one who's been back the least. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but when you kind of like you're trying when she's trying to be, I don't know, altruistic about like saving the glee club and at the same time it's she's still trying to make it about her and not necessarily about um Oh, which reminds me, I totally skipped one of the funniest things. Um, before the diva off, they have Rachel and Mercedes have two groups of the seniors and new. I don't think Blaine is involved in this, but um, Artie and Tina and Sam and Unique and Kitty and R- Ryder and Jake and Marley are all split up, and both Rachel and Mercedes are trying to make their case to these groups of people, 
And it's just really funny as they are trying to like do that. (laughs) Anyway. So, but anyway, um, so yeah, we get Rachel off in tears and she runs away and then Mercedes (laughs) takes the, the place that Kurt usually does. I'm glad, I'm really glad Kurt doesn't do this. Um, and gives her a pep talk about, you know, well, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have made sense for Kurt to do this because the person who has to apologize and make Rachel feel better is the person who made a truthful statement and made her feel sad. And usually that's mm-hmm. Kurt who's standing up for himself uh, or succeeding at something, which then makes Rachel sad. So then it's his job narrative to be like, no, no, I'm, I'm not that great. You're the real star of this. Your life is amazing. And I'm just a bit character in it. And so since in this one, it was Mercedes who was standing up for herself and doing a good job and uh, still being more the most talented one out of the bunch. She's the one who's narratively has to go, no, it's okay. I have my demons too. You're still so much better than me. I'm going to sit here and make you feel better slightly yeah. better because lord knows we can't we just can't proceed until rachel feels good about herself and lord knows we've already bashed this whole stupid thing to death in season three what a- <laughs> yeah. it's just exhausting honestly i just i can't yeah i don't even know oh, i was God. just like why are we why are we back here uh, you yeah. know and i at least i will say that after this Rachel and Mercedes have a rather healthy friendship and watching them interact in the New York arc is so much more interesting and more friendship dynamic. And none there's, there's gone is the the contest and the competition that these two usually get. And they get to act like friends going forward from this, which is a relief um, to be honest with you, because just treading this whole competition thing out again and again, especially yeah. between all the female characters is just so tiring. And so, so yeah, it's the, all right. Any other thoughts on Rachel and Mercedes before we switch over to another topic? No, no. Okay. So let's, um, let's talk about Britanna. Um, Okay. Um, the whole shtick in this is that Brittany is supposed to do it. She hasn't even been at MIT for a full year now. Granted, I think it's dumb that she's even there in the first place. She's not a secret genius. I I can't, I don't really buy this plot line of her being a secret genius. Absolutely um, not. But, you know, Absolutely whatever. Not. I don't agree with it either, but whatever. They had to get her off the show. That's what they chose to do. So just what, like, of all the things that I'm going to complain about. Yeah. This is so low on my list. Okay, At least but- <laughs> they decided to stop making her a secret genius. I don't know. Um, okay, but I'm gonna have to go. Maybe I'll talk about that first. But we, I'm gonna have to go on a rant on that because, yeah. No, oh, go ahead. Rant away. Rant. The stage Please. is yours. Go for it. <laughs> all right. No, my problem is it's something that always bothers me with Glee is that the only thing people are allowed to do after they graduate is something that involves the arts. Yes! And everything else mm-hmm. is supposed to be... I'm sorry. I mean, we have, like, Our I think Tina does it goes into law school, right? But, but, but they, they never even... They 
never show one character that does something else. And then we, I mean, I don't really agree. I think the storyline is unrealistic, but then we had someone who actually goes into mathematics, which is different from, from the art. So yeah, I thought that she, was- but they portray her as not happy about it. Right. And then they made this episode where it was basically, where they portrayed it as it's like she's being tortured because the mathematics is all bad and scientists are awful and- Right. Yeah, her, I don't like her that. Her math has no. killed her creativity. Right. Which is oh, ridiculous. And she never be creative again. Right. And so, no, I 100% agree with you. That is one of the things that I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. I know that I've ranted about this on the podcast oh, yeah. as well. And, and actually, RB, okay. you'd be happy to know that we actually had this conversation in the previous podcast because we were talking about Marley being 15 and thinking that she, you know, she her contest, uh, her songs weren't getting into contests and she was going to just go join the accounting club as if that was a punishment. And it's like, no, you can do, you can be in math and science. And I really highly encourage math and science is amazing. And there's so many really cool things. And I don't think it gets enough credit because it's not as flashy as the art, but at the same time, Oh, just let me, I really want to just, I was just going to say for women in math and science, that too, like that too. But I was going to say, a lot of times math and science are on the left and arts are on the right. And it's like this conflicting thing when you can mesh them together and have some really cool things. It's not mutually exclusive. And yeah. it's frustrating that Glee gets, especially, I mean, it's not even just like like performing arts is the only thing that you can possibly do. It doesn't even take into account, like, you know, even playing an in instrument they don't even it's like you can only sing it's like yeah you can only sing and if you're not singing you have to be dancing yeah or acting. So, you know nobody nobody's allowed to play an instrument nobody is allowed to um do interesting things with mixing music if they wanted to do that nobody's allowed to write nobody's allowed to paint nobody's allowed to do photography like nobody's allowed to do anything else creative mm. or heaven forbid if you have an interest in law or medicine or accounting yeah. or any or anything You've obviously failed and you're betraying what you should be doing if you dare to pick something other than that. So, I mean, that is one of the things that Glee fails, fails, yeah. fails so hard yeah. is presenting presenting the performing arts as an all or nothing. As opposed mm. to when most of us who you know live in a community and who don't do the arts professionally do something for enjoyment. I mean, think of all the people on here who write fic, but yeah. who are accountants by day. Mm -hmm. Or at your yeah. local community theater, you know, your Valjean is probably somebody's pediatrician. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. It's just the yeah, way, yeah. like, I'm thinking about that. It's like, huh, you know. Right? No, yeah. Now so, I'm picturing Valjean as a pediatrician. The person who painted the mural well. on the side of somebody's restaurant is probably also somebody's cousin's accountant. I mean, you know, pe people have people who enjoy the arts are not always are not just the people who do it professionally. And I not it, to it, mention it's, it's like saying you can only do science professionally. You can't be interested in going out to see an eclipse if you're not actively being paid to be an astrophysicist. Can if I you're add not Neil deGrasse Tyson, then I hope that you are not doing <laughs> any sort of baking soda and vinegar experiments in your kitchen because you have failed. Um, I want to also <laughs> add on to that the, the importance uh, of citizen scientists and citizen artists. Oh my God. 
Okay. See, now I wanted to start now. the rant and you did it better. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hopped on your rant. But that's good. No, you set the thing back. <laughs> I think to, just as the cherry on the top, I think that it most of all shits on teachers and that oh, presenting yeah. them. If you can't do teach. Yeah. Which I think is incredibly unfair. Mm. Um, and whatever. I've done that before. I don't need to go down that again. So I will not. Go back and listen to the season three podcast, guys. This <laughs> it was a common um, theme that year. Well, and, but anyway, so okay. So that aside, talking about Bertana, um, which I also think is what I also think is hilarious is that Bertana never gets any kind of direction. Like they say, Santana, for example, is interested in being a dancer or being a publicist or whatever, but they never give either Brittany or Santana a concrete future, which I think is a little sad, especially for fans of those characters. Um, but whatever. But the point of this little plot line, um, not only to reintroduce Brittany, um, is to reunite Brittany and Santana. And... I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Danny, no last name. (laughs) She never got a last name. No, she didn't. That's what I used to call her when I tagged posts for them on Tumblr. I uh, I called her Danny needs a last name. Hmm. I I like Danny. Do I? I like Danny. It's very sad. Yeah, well, she, I mean, I liked her well enough, and I liked, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name. Demi Lovato. Thank you. Demi Lovato. <laughs> like I'm picturing her in my head and I thought she was good, but, and I, I also don't like how we never really got any kind of finality to their relationship. And suddenly she's, you know, wanting to get back together with Brittany. I'm like, did you even break up with her? I mean, they didn't with Adam, so let's, let's, I mean. Well, that happened, but it was implied <laughs> off camera. You know, like, Kurt had a line after he got engaged, like, Adam kicked me out of the apples and blah, blah, blah. Like, you knew that they were broken up. I, I guess, okay, so not to alienate the maybe three Britannia people who probably listen to this podcast, but it doesn't really, like, Okay, I'm glad that there is a lesbian ship or the female female ship um, out there for people to latch onto. But I, I guess it just like I don't know. I guess it just doesn't work for me. I do like. Okay, I will say I will. I did like their rendition. Um, their redoing of Valerie because I, I liked I liked the song. And um, but did they really change it? Not really, but no. I liked it. Um, well, I mean, I like the original too. So yeah, I don't think that this I mean, version more... added anything. No, it didn't. No. Um, and their scene in the the last ending scene was nice, but it just like if you look at the Britannia narrative, uh, okay, so they break up in season four. There's been nothing. She dates Sam for a long period of time. Santana goes and dates Danny, and then they're all both in the same place, and it's suddenly like, let's get back to. Or, Brittany's like, let's get back together. And then do they stay together or do they break up again at some point? I don't even well, know. They, 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 they stay, they stay together. They stay together yeah. until they get married. Yeah. They okay. don't break up again. They're they're done. They, but they end up becoming a background 
I mean, they don't. After yeah. these two episodes, they're alluded to, but not really. You don't really see them again until season six. So, I guess I'm indifferent. I don't. And okay, it's there. I it's think something I, that happens. Yeah. I think I actually, I think I would have been more okay with it if we didn't also get the Quinn Puck storyline. Because they are both just stories where let's get back together with my high school yeah. sweetheart. It, and it was it was one of those, you know, every everybody's only supposed to be with their high school sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the okay, so I'm gonna throw this Which out is there. another glee fuck up a lot mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna throw this out there. I think that there's a difference between you know I'm going to say this, whatever. If I get hate mail, I get hate mail. (laughs) There is a difference between a story that the show is investing its narrative in, whether it was Finchel or now it's Clayne because Finchel no longer is a thing, and getting high school sweethearts back because people like the ship together and they feel like they have to do that. And I feel like both Britannia and the Puck Quinn stuff Kind of is like, well, we'll wrap this up in a nice little bow and we give the fans what they want, which is fine. But I think that I I am side-eyeing the whole you have to be together with your high school sweetheart thing a little bit. And maybe that sounds hypocritical from me enjoying Clayne, but at the same time, the narrative is staying with Clayne and showing a story there. Whereas these couples kind of are just getting a story arc in one episode or two episodes. See, and I would say that all of the, all of the, your high school love is your only true love. Include, you know, Clayne, Fenchel, uh, Quinn and Puck, Bertan, all of them um, suffer because of Glee's insistence on well, yeah, the arts are the one true thing and your high school sweetheart is who you're supposed to be with forever. Yeah. Don't ever change I, from who you are at seventeen, and so mm-hmm. I I give I give the the ones who are still there the ones that they have invested storylines in I give all of them the side eye as much as I enjoy Glenn, right no I yeah give them I, all, I give them all this I give them all a side eye I I, I think that all of them are mm, if I was writing something realistic I I wouldn't write any of them. I agree the with that. The way that Glee did. And, I will, and I'll even say with Clay, I don't like the soulmate narrative in all of these couples. But, like, I, I don't agree that. And one thing I like about Clean is that them breaking up twice takes them farther away from that I have to be with my high school sweetheart mm. thing. And I want to be with this person. That's not... I, I, mean, dis- I disagree with you, but that's fine. But, I mean, if but, it was one, like, one couple or something like that, because it's, I mean... It's not unheard of. People get together in high school right. and really stay together. So it's it's fine, but many don't. So, yeah. Well, most don't. Just, so. most Glee, don't. Glee yeah. presents them as everybody should, and you should yeah. never be any different from And I, you know, I do and, agree with I mean, you on that, though. Even if we jump ahead to, you know, things that I'm sure will come up again, but, like, in in the series finale, even mm. Tina and Artie are back together. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so they went well, back to that. I will say, and it, it is, and we'll get to it when we talk about the wedding, but they're like, did they really need to get all of them married? I mean, <laughs> okay. Um, I get it. I get it's the nice end of the fairy tale, but... um. But yeah. Anyway, so that's that's Bertana. Um, that said, I 
their scenes together are nice. I I don't particularly get much out of them, but uh, for the fans of them, I, I you know they're fine. So yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, then we get the the Quinn and the Puck stuff, which you know, looking at it, I do think that it's better done than the Britannia stuff. So sound weird it probably sounds weird but there's no, actually i was gonna say that i kind of yeah. agree with you a little bit i agree i mean we got more about some random boyfriend she brought from school or yeah the hell she's at uh in in this one episode enough for me to hate him you know then <laughs> i wanted to emote about Britanna and I even you know generally enjoy them so I mean I came out of that episode going man I really want Puck to go throw him in a dumpster well and I, I wonder and if this goes that's <laughs> <laughs> true I wonder if going to RB's point that we haven't seen Quinn or Puck in a while so mm-hmm. these are the characters they do come back and I do think not I mean they did for the most part have their stories wrapped up at the ends of season three and four respectively, but, um, or for Puck, the beginning of season five, um, it, this, it's fine. I, I could have done without the plot line. I don't need to see Quinn's boyfriend and, but it is funny to, I, I do think there were some funny lines like about, um, when, um, they're at the, the breadsticks and the, her friends are telling her, telling the boyfriend about like stuff, the craziest, like her skank period and stuff like oh, that. Oh, not the tattoo mm-hmm. and all that yep. stuff. Uh, like, how do you cover it up? I have my roommate do it for me every morning. See, and, um, <laughs> I liked seeing her boyfriend. I, and, and maybe it's because I really enjoy the question of, again, something that I think that Glee has done a terrible job with. Because Glee's position is you always need to say, be the same person who you were at 17. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with this, I really enjoyed the, the idea and kind of wrestling with, is it okay to reinvent yourself? Is it okay to present yourself as something different than people who knew you growing up? Well, if you I think mean, the about guy, it. The guy is a dick and she's, you know trying to get in with that. So, I mean, in, in an exaggerated fashion, yeah, she needs to dump his ass and would have eventually, whether Puck threw him into a dumpster or not. But I, but I love wrestling with that question of, do you have to stay who you are? Can you reinvent yourself? Is it okay to decide that you're leaving the past in the past? And that's one of the things that I really enjoy in storytelling and so maybe it's not as much it's good as opposed to it hits on something that i'm really interested in from a narrative fashion mm-hmm. well, and okay. so, so I, I like i like i like the idea of puck um deciding that he made a mistake when he was younger and he wants to rectify it. I like the idea of Quinn deciding that she's going to reinvent herself at Yale because she never really as you know queen bee as she was she didn't have a great time in high school why wouldn't she decide to try on something new and again these kids are 19 who among us hasn't lied to a boyfriend or a significant other at 19 come on so i guess it's probably i mean i think the only problem is that she's lying about something like yeah, that she has a kid, she probably shouldn't. That's a but, pretty but big but thing. It, but it's not that's a thing that she's an omission. She's, and she says that she's only been dating him for three months. 
And so I really don't think that I have a child that I gave up because I wasn't in a place to raise her is not something that you need to say on your first or second date. Again, she's 19. That's some, that's something that can come out later. A lot of things. You do not have to spill your guts about your entire history for somebody who you are just dating. It's not like they were in a serious fashion. It's not like they were moving towards an engagement. And yeah, that's definitely something that, um, I would hope that you would feel comfortable enough to discuss with somebody who you wanted to make a commitment towards, but they are 19. They are dating for three months. I wouldn't have, if I was her, I wouldn't have told him that either at that yeah, point. Probably. So well, I, and he's I don't dick, condemn so. her for that. And I think that everybody around her who is condemning her, it, it's, it's glee getting on their moral high horse again. Well, they always well, do that with Quinn, but yeah. oh, um, uh, <laughs> what I was well, going to say about Quinn and, and kind of her whole storyline though, if you think about it, Everything from, like, how we learned how, like, she used to be fat. She had plastic surgery. Quinn's entire life, her entire storyline is reinventing herself. Mm-hmm. So this is just more of the same. Hmm. And if you I, think about it, in season two, she I talked like about... It. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I, I wish that it was done a little more coherently. I wish that everything on Glee was done more coherently, but... You know, <laughs> well, beggars, you know. beggars, People in hell want ice water, so... Right, <laughs> So, I mean, but if you look at it as, a, you know, an ongoing narrative, her she's constantly trying to reinvent herself into what she thinks she's supposed to be. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> and I that think so that... Delicate. Like, when I sneeze, it sounds like a horse. <laughs> I was trying to be quiet. Oh, you're... So you may sound like a horse, but that sneeze sounded like a fucking unicorn. <laughs> Like, yeah. there was a rainbow, and there was some glitter, and there was probably some woodland friends who were offering a Kleenex. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love it. I, you know, so, the thing that I think is interesting about this whole Puck and Quinn thing is that, you know, they they are allowed to move on in a way that certain other characters are not. And if you, we get that through holding on when like, they kind of look back and they kind of see, you know, we are... You know, Quinn says, I don't even remember doing that song. Gosh, um, and that was, that was like and, such an interesting moment for me when she said that. Because I went, because <gasps> it was such a, like um Well, it was a very big moment at the time. Thing. I, I loved that statement that she made. Because it's but, true. There are a lot of things that are very important to you when you are young. That as you get older, you forget. Because it doesn't have the same outsized effect on you at the time in your life that you're in at that moment, as opposed to when it happened. And I think that that's a very truthful thing to say. It's a little bit melancholy. And I think that there's a lot of this episode that's melancholy and I don't mind melancholia in, in my narrative, but I love, I loved it because it felt honest. It felt truthful. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was something that Glee doesn't usually tackle. And it gave me, and I, it gave me the feeling that Glee was going to handle being able to move on better than it does. I mean, it tricked me. So I don't know why <laughs> well, I, I was, I was Charlie Brown and Glee had the football and I thought I was well, you. But I think yeah. I, something that I think that is interesting and I don't, I could care less really about Puck or Quinn, but something that I think is really interesting in this particular plot line is the fact that here are two people who have kind of moved on from all of their high school stuff, but at the end of the day, Quinn can be more of an 
who she is with Puck. Like, she doesn't have to keep trying to reinvent it. At the same time, he has reinvented himself to a better person. And so it leaves the, their narrative in a nice place. Um, it would have been. You know, I mean, of all of the storylines, you know, and where people ended up and everything, Puck got a really great ending. He's yeah. in the military and he's good at it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's turned his life around and he's, he's you know, he's, he's found a purpose. A, a decent person and yeah okay occasionally still throwing people into a dumpster but still you know i deserved it though yeah (laughs) but i mean you know out of all of the original members his ending is like he got his happy ever after he got quinn uh, who's like the girl he's been in love with forever and See, and I wouldn't, you know? I wouldn't say that getting Quinn is his happily ever after. Well, no, I, I really think, don't think it's it is. I think, that his, I think that his finding a purpose. I think yeah. that, that you're right. That see, for and him, I, that I for him he was like, able to throw himself into is his happy ending. That he was able to find the confidence in himself. And got him to that point. And then he and Quinn got back together. And maybe, maybe that's why I mm-hmm. like it so much is that it doesn't present Quinn as his prize for being a good person. Right. And it, it, I mean, it presents two people who have made life choices and who are making a decision to be together as opposed to, okay, well, you did a, you won and you made yourself a good person. So you win the girl. Yeah. Well, kind of like they do with Will and Emma, which is, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but so it, um, doesn't, it doesn't present either of them as a prize to be won. And so that's, that's something that I really enjoy about. I mean, I, I, I really enjoy the storyline for them in this episode. And I thought that it was well done. And I thought that it was, it, it tackled some interesting ideas that they could have expanded to, to have more characters interact with those sorts of ideas in the episode, instead of just having the bitch and moan, like it was season three. Yeah. I think also <laughs> there's that scene with, then when they're looking at, at uh, Finn's jersey and she asks, you know, did they, for, you know, did he forgive us? And that is another scene of them kind of putting oh, their past behind you them. You know, that scene and, and well, and that and the Keep Holding On song, those things really were like, I don't know about other people, but that was like kind of a, a, a like a punch for a second. It's like, oh, but then they're like, you know, I think he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and that, then you're kind of like, of course he did. <laughs> And those are the sorts of wrestling with the ghosts of your past that I think is so interesting and was such a kernel of, it could have been such a good, good idea. We could have had it all instead. That's great. But wrestling with the past for Mercedes and Rachel involves Rachel being sad that nobody loves her because she doesn't understand why people would hold a grudge when she was mean to them so many times. And and Mercedes having to once again, you know, mm-hmm. make the stop the white girl tears in the bathroom um, instead of, yeah. you know, wrestling with, well, what does it mean to leave behind uh, what your expectations were in high school and what people thought of me and why am I still concerned with this? And am I actually being the person who I want to be? And we didn't get to wrestle with any of those questions with any of the no. other characters. Mm. So. Kind of wrapping up the Puck and Quinn stuff, the one thing that I think is really interesting about the ending, and I'm not entirely sure why, other than maybe they just like the look of it, when they do the whole, like, you know, she runs back to him and gives him a kiss, it's actually 
it's staged very similarly. It's staged very similarly to the Wemma kiss in season one. Mm. It's the same place in the hallway. It's kind of the same, like, very big romantic. I don't think that it was trying to call back the Wemma kiss. I think that's that sort of setup is a very common I'm running back to my love yeah. in movies and television. Like that's that's kind of a that's a filmmaking 101 <coughs> scene and cut and way to do it. And so I I think it's just I think it's just a trope that they're going with as opposed to specifically calling back Wemma. Although, I mean, if you have to pinpoint a moment where we all loved Wemma and it was the best thing ever, that kiss, their first kiss was the best one. And that was like yeah, the last it, time we all liked them. It, it went downhill after that. That's true. So far. It went so far and so fast. It's I, like a yeah, yeah. Now, Puck and Quinn are both going to be back in very limited um, capacity. But I, I do kind of wish their story had kind of ended here or... I, I it would have it would have been a very satisfying coda. Yeah, to it. Yeah, and, you know, and also funny enough, they don't actually. It it's kind of funny. These two characters are the only two characters that aren't pressed upon with the whole performing art. We don't have any idea what Quinn's doing other than going to Yale. Well, and, isn't her plan to go to law school? I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And he's yeah. in the Air Force. And they are the, the only two that don't have arts jobs or whatever. Or, you know, and art I, I, they, they kind of. It, Escape no. this kind of awful and narrative. No one, yeah, no one ever gives them any crap for it. Like, of course you're going to go to Yale. Of course you're going to be a lawyer. Of course you're going to join the Air Force. And of course you're going to be great at it. So, yeah, you know. The only thing before we get to the claim stuff, um, the only other thing I want to mention is the return of Holly Holiday. Um, I'm kind of on mind of mind that Gwyneth Paltrow completely forgot how to act this character because it's so awkward. I mean, she I was know. never great with it originally. No, I know, so. but it's even worse now. She um, she was like for for the substitute if they had just left it there. She would have been pretty good. I enjoyed that episode. I think sexy was fine too. I think sexy, and sexy was, actually was better, fine but... too. I, I mean, I, that one makes me laugh. It, the whole episode is ridiculous, but you know, okay. So those two are fine, but like with April, it was a character that started out quirky and funny and, and, you know, were relatively interesting. And then, they just beat it like a dead horse. See, no, I'm, I think I'm gonna April be honest, was her stuff in this episode too. So is, I actually think April was more entertaining in this episode and in these two episodes than she was ever before. But that's just me. But um, I still think they gave her a lot more like one-liners and things to say in this episode. She was a lot of comic relief, I think. But I still think it's not a, it wasn't a good idea to bring back the guests for this episode because I think it just made it more messy. Because I wasn't. Yeah. You already have twenty people. You have people coming group. back. And, well, if yeah, we're already so gonna have twenty, we stars. might as well have twenty-five. Well, get this: yeah. Mike returns in this episode. I'm going to throw this other. Mike returns in this episode. We don't. We haven't seen him in a long time. He doesn't really get anything to do, and we do not see him again until the series ends, or until really? the wedding. Until the wedding. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's... Yeah. When you so put it Mike. like that, it is. But then yeah. I think to myself, well, what was Harry Shum Jr. doing? Nothing. He might not have know. been available. I think he, no, I think he did a movie or something. Oh, that could have been it. Maybe. Um, but anyway, 
So yeah, so um, they shouldn't have brought back the guests. I think. Well, I don't know. Was, I just feel like it was well. It's part of the trying to make it a season two thing again. Like yeah. Plus, wasn't know. at this point wasn't old goop lady wasn't she now dating Brad Feldrick? Like I think at this point. Yeah, pro- probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe. We've got to so. make sure that my girlfriend can get back on the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, I don't think it's in this episode, but I do like the song that she does. Happy, it's, hap- it's in this one. Yeah. Happy is it in one. this one? It, it is in this one. And Dan yeah. sings most okay. of it. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was in this one. Well, that's one of the reasons why I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's, Darren can sing anything with anybody, and I'll listen to it. Um, like that's the only song that okay, they... Kitty. One day I will meet Darren Chris and sing with him, and you will regret your choices. <laughs> I will still listen to it. I didn't say I'd listen to it more than once. <laughs> that is no. And then goal. I will Thank hold you. it for blackmail material. <laughs> I have a life goal. Okay. Um... <laughs> yeah, but Happy is like the only new song they did, right? Like that wasn't yeah. one they just yeah. because one. Holly doesn't believe in looking back, only looking forward or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Hmm. So okay, so let's talk about the very limited curtain plane in this in this um in this uh episode. Well, first off, let's talk well, about how they maintain that like two feet apart distance maybe. in their fire chair. Well, <laughs> what I wanna say though is that I feel like Kurt kind of got this short end of the stick because he doesn't belong with the newbies. He doesn't belong, which we've got the city of angels. He doesn't belong with the seniors who kind of get new direction. And for whatever reason, he didn't really get anything in this particular episode because there are already three plot lines and he doesn't fit in any of them. And I guess just just got insulted. Just as a Kurt (laughs) fan, I guess I'm a little like, (laughs) yeah, that's true. Just got insulted. Um, I don't know. I just, I get it. He's going to get a lot of story going into the New York arc, but um, I don't know. I think that there's just too many cooks in the kitchen to be able to Mm. focus on everything that could. I mean, you could expand the sorts of ideas to come out. The problem, though, is that they have too many characters to write for them. Yeah, but I think he also he doesn't like they were not touching. They did not take stories that were moving the plot forward. They wrapped up stories that were already didn't even necessarily needed to be wrapped up. I mean, yes, the Quinn and Puck stuff was relatively well done, but did it need to happen? Mm. No. But I think the point was that they were in this ending portion. I, I, I understand the reason for not giving Kurt and Blaine anything because they're not their ending. Stores, they're gonna yeah. They're yeah. gonna keep going. Right. So I mean that, there well, is a little bit, but they don't like have any scenes that are just them. They're always in the group. Right. So I what I where is this I think part of it is also this whole hoopla around it was this you know celebration of glee and everything you know and like no it was a celebration of what glee was and what you're that's what you're trying to do like it, it felt misrepresented like the media has ever misrepresented anything before um so i think at the time <laughs> like it was that but yeah um so we get the, the two big things one is the defined gravity stuff and, and Kurt finally gets to hit his high F. Yes, he does. 
And if you, I, I will try to reblog it again. Um, if you haven't had a chance to take um, a listen to, they, they, the Brazilians of all people managed to get us a copy of the Kurt only version of this solo. I um, have it. So, but I will reblog <laughs> it for people that don't have it because I do have it as well. Um, I also, well, anybody like how wanna, many times do I have this one person singing this one song? Hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting that he's dressed up like Charlie Brown. He does look like Charlie Brown. Oh, and it and it's it's worse than Charlie Brown because who decided that that puce colored shirt was going to be a good idea? I mean, at least Charlie Brown's shirt is yellow, right? And yellow is a delight, not in pants, as we have previously discussed, but in shirts. Shirts are great, and. But no, they decide it, it's like olive, but worse. Well, the lighting it, doesn't help. No, it's it's olive trying to be brown. Ugh! <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. It is it not is flattering not at all. But the worst you know what? Though I was just gonna say that it's still <laughs> not the worst thing he's ever worn. <laughs> that goes to that Princess Leia outfit that he wore in season three. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know what he, he. There was that episode where he basically wore a riding habit. He did, yeah. I think that was the Late same the episode. Too. <laughs> anyway, I it still was, prefer I, the sweaters with the handprints touching his tits. So <laughs> that's what I wish that he had gone with, as opposed to you know, off-label Charlie Brown. Yeah, and I don't understand the significance of it either. But oh well, I guess um, being kicked around i don't know i mean charlie brown is basically pain and suffering as a character it's true well so you know i mean i mean okay but um the other thing about the life keeps encouraging him to kick the football and then they keep taking the football away from him and giving it to rachel you're not wrong yep Um, I will say one of the things that I think is hilarious during the Defying Gravity, and you have to be kind of looking for it, Blaine is taking freaking notes on this. <laughs> he just wants everybody to know that he's really invested in his first performances, as opposed to this. I, I love and he's, he gets That was my favorite background oh yeah. my god his little wiggle he's like he gets all settled in and he he does this little wiggle and then like he that starts taking like- notes and he's so when he when kurt hits that high note i'm so glad they edited it so that it shows blaine's reaction because he gets so excited and that's such a nice little thing he's probably writing up a thing for the for the, the- like show choir blocks <laughs> so that everybody oh god totally what, a, what a stunning winner he's about to climb like a tree Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other really cute thing. I mean, we're we're back in the season three mode. Um, if you notice this, you, and like again, you have to be really watching during the Valerie performance. I believe. I believe it's Valerie. They go off and they go into a little corner and they dance together, and it's super cute. <laughs> and I've never seen. Well, it's kind of hard to diff because it's at a corner of the screen type thing. But like, they're just adorably dancing together. When does that ever happen? Uh, it never. But, yeah. But it does happen. It is there. I did see it. Like I'm like, oh my god! Why is no nobody's ever really talked about this? Because you know they weren't front and center, so nobody could see it. (laughs) But it is there. I encourage everybody to go back and watch. It's cute. Um, 
And then, all right, so let's talk about their one scene with April. <laughs> it's so funny. It's fantastic. It's like, it's, it's, it's the most ultimately April scene ever. I mean, because you know what we need more of? Teen marriages. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can tell they were fourth wall breaking because of all the comments they've been getting, or, you know, about, and they are, they're young to be engaged, and it's a little ridiculous. Um, but. I mean, you know what, though? I mean, okay, I get that argument, I understand that argument, but on this, the, the clean fangirl side of me is going like, shut up, they're getting married. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I'm sitting there going, you're right, you are too young to be doing this, why are you making poor life choices? Oh, worse and and the then end. I'm gonna go. Shut up! They're getting married. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I have you guys together on the podcast. <laughs> I, I will fight you, <laughs> and then we'll watch Clayne afterwards. <laughs> and I would probably say that statistically, it probably doesn't like the chances of a divorce are probably the same. So, hey. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Well, you're not wrong. I not mean. Wrong. Statistically speaking, wait, but but, but do we take statistically speaking in fictional couples? I think that is a different number. Well, I've never seen any stats, so I'm just assuming <laughs> that's it. a good point. You don't we really can, see stats we can consult a fake lawyer if we want to get. <laughs> Maybe Brittany can give us some statistics <laughs> that she's been working on for What's her, you know, as an athlete. <laughs> So, I'm sure she could whip something up in crayon for us. Oh, sir. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about, because each of them have quite different reactions to April. Blaine is so, like, he's thoroughly, like, yeah. done. He's like, <laughs> what? And Kurt's like, oh, yeah, totally hand that over. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, I just meant about like Kurt has always had a special something with April, and I enjoy that relationship. Yeah, well, she did get him drunk, so I mean, she's she's the vodka well, aunt that he never had growing up. She, That's but he true. during during Raise Your Glass, she he takes her her alcohol away, or at least tries to. He can't get the bottle mm -hmm. from her, but he does try <laughs> and take it away from her. But the most hilarious thing is when she starts talking about Wyndham Knight's sodomy. Um. <laughs> Pretty sure they already did that. So, right? <laughs> I think that's what makes it even funnier is because we know that they've been doing that since early season three. So it's not like this is something new, but it's still really funny that she actually put it into words and she's handing them flasks full of alcohol. Um, I, you know, and also interestingly, you know, it is the only mention we've gotten in a long time about. You know, them actually getting married and Kurt says you know we're enjoying a long engagement and I think this is the show's way of saying we're not doing that storyline right now <laughs> it's also I think weirdly foreshadowing into we're doing a long engagement because you know we're not quite ready to actually you know be married yeah and and that's mm -hmm. some that's something that comes back up again in season six mm-hmm Absolutely. I don't know how much credit I want to give them for that, though. I still think that at the end of season <laughs> four, they knew they were going to break up Clayne again. 
and they decided you know, not honestly to- i don't necessarily disagree with you on that because what happened at the end of season four was that they got renewed for two seasons and when they got renewed for two seasons I think they had to go to the network and say, this is what we're going to do. This is how season five is going to be. This is how season six is going to be. Mm. Yeah. This, yeah, and this okay. is why I think... Okay, yeah. they, now, Corey did pass away, right. so that altered some of their storylines, and ultimately, I think that's part of the reason why season six got shortened. Oh, yeah. Um, well, but if you look at, like, the reason structurally you have kind of two seasons between four, five and six. You have season four that goes all the way to right now. And uh-huh. then season five that starts with the New York arc and goes all the way to the end of season six. And I think yeah. it's kind of structurally two different seasons split among three because I am still utterly confused over the timeline for everything past season three. I mean, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, I've, I've, I have, I've, I've had it explained to me a number of times and I still look at it confusion going, but let me tell know. you, I have a friend, uh, who is writing, who's been writing a claim fic forever. And it's like the longest fic ever because she's extremely prolific. And I'm talking about like 10,000 word chapters. Um, Jesus. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Um, anyway. she has like, charts and graphs about this specific period well, of time in, in you know from the end from that midpoint of season four to the end of you know i don't well, even I know wrote so up that the timeline graduation point. yeah her timeline and your timeline are different i know mine's right actually <laughs> i agree with hers more than i agree with yours but that is a discussion for another day we'll and it's really just that. a sad fact that we it's so open for interpretation that there's a debate it, about who's who's like could be correct. They uh, really could have done that better. I still say mine's right, but um, <laughs> well, you made it. Of course, you. We got a fine. <laughs> well, I'm but, sorry. But, I but, I based but, it off of canon, but whatever. I'd like. So I've did seen, she? How is it different then? <laughs> because this it. canon is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I will I'm have sorry. To. They graduate in June, okay? And everything before she has that. Been graduating in May. No, they can't. It's in no. It graduates in June. I think, or maybe she has them graduating. I don't honestly. It, they I graduate really in June. That's any, honest. It's been so long. Kitty, you graduated from Ohio High School, right? Yes. When did you graduate? Uh, it what was, month was it? It was the first week of June. Okay. <laughs> Most, there we go. Well, but you know what? There was my son usually gets out the last week of May, right? But they don't have graduation until whatever. We're not. This is. A, I think it just depends on the school year and when the dates yeah. fall. But yes, generally speaking, it is right there that first week. Yeah. So, oh my anyway. god! In things that matter, it does not matter. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it, no, it does. Oh my god. No, it doesn't. It does not matter at all. Um, it doesn't. Except for that, it's something that I think. If we weren't so tired, fandom probably would have debated a lot more. Well, it doesn't need to be really though. I Glee didn't care, so we really shouldn't. Really? Um, we just spent five minutes when somebody said that they had a different timeline than you did, and you're like, I'm sorry, we're gonna take a moment because I have to tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> And then we're gonna follow it up with you're right. It doesn't actually matter. Nobody actually cares about that except for me, who spent five minutes telling Kitty how wrong you are. Well, <laughs> because I'm right, but whatever. 
Anyway. Well, just <laughs> casually agree to disagree and discuss it later. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> She'll still be right. Oh, oh my God. Both of you, hush. <laughs> yeah, you're you're. I'm trying to, okay, this is getting me all worked up for the last thing that I, was there anything really current and blatant else that you guys wanted to talk about? Because there really isn't anything else. No. Other no. than that being like the best line of the episode. Which fantastic. one? Fantastic. Wait, what sodomy. line is? Oh, the sodomy line. Okay. Um, Purely for their facial expressions and the fact that I can't believe she said that so yeah. that I, you know. All right, so let's talk about the scene of this episode that actually makes me mad. Um, <laughs> so, um, okay. Um, the very ending of this particular episode has Will bringing in all of the original cast members. And it's fine at first because he's like, oh, well, let's remember Finn and let's take a moment to remember, you know, how this all began. And then he goes on to nobody can, he says, nobody will ever understand what being in a glee club meant. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I'm, I'm going to give him a pass on this because I think that what he was getting at, even though glee is not articulate at all, is nobody will understand what it was like when we created glee club. No, because, for the because they did, they, they created it in that, that's what I thought they were going for. Not that, you know, nobody mm. will ever understand what Glee Club is, but nobody will understand how, what we did to create this family. What they went through. To yeah. Get there. At the same time, if it was one thing, if the, those group of kids got together and said, hey, you know, this meant, I mean, why wasn't it just the original five then? Why are Quinn and Puck and Santana and Brittany even there? I mean, this it wasn't, they weren't there. They came in. You contractual know. reasons so <laughs> beyond i mean and, and also kids, they though. they did they may not have been the original five but they were they I, were I part of the I glee club them from part the pilot creating what would become glee club because you can really look at the creation quote unquote of glee club between the first five singing sit down you're rocking the boat to um to their first performance to their first competition so, like, those first 13 episodes I see as the creation of what Glee Club would be. And I think that all of them were, it, it makes sense that all of them would be involved in that sort of reflection. Which, for that mm. group, is fine. But for Will, as an educator, to say, you guys are the only ones that really mean to me, because that's what he says next. <laughs> oh yeah, because right. he gives two shits about all the newbies, and one of the things that bugs well, even me, Sam or Blaine, who aren't there, because they oh yeah, he didn't too. care about them either. No, yeah. because the thing that bugs me. Okay, so there's a line. I know you guys talked about this episode a while back. There's a line in Shooting Star where Will says, "I love you all." I'm like, you don't even know these kids. You barely even go here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you gotta understand that he just lost his best friend, which inappropriately was his <laughs> student, so. Right. But I but I also think that we should I can't believe I'm defending Will. 
I really think that we should allow. Well, 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 we should mark the time. <laughs> we should wait for like lightning from the sky. I know this is, this is definitely. I, I'm I'm spitting in the face of the sea lord Poseidon for this one. Um, <laughs> but I think that we should allow Will as a person to have a time that he misses and to have a group that he misses. It it's unreasonable to expect an educator to love all of their kids equally, to love all of their groups of kids equally. It's just not something that happens. We all have coworkers or people who, for those of us who um, have done teaching or have worked with kids in any sort of fashion, we have groups that we like better than others that have a special, even though, you know, everybody has a special place that have a specialer place in our heart. Yeah. We, we, as students, I, agree with I that. have teachers that I have, a much fonder um, and a much closer relationship with now even decades later than I did for other ones who did just as fine work just because of what we did and uh, what happened and situation and circumstances. And I think that it's unfair for us to insist that these are like his children and we should expect that he, he loves them all the same when no, this obviously was a, a moment in time that meant a lot to him personally and professionally. And it was it kind, kind of, of when he found himself and he found purpose himself. It. And so I think that it's totally understandable for him to have that sort of feeling towards this particular group. I'm going to defend well on that. <laughs> and I'm not going to disagree with you from that point of view. I think the problem comes in where it's, it's a, within the, character's point of view and everything that you said I, I agree with so I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that at all I think here's the that but. here's the but <laughs> I personally leave as a bad taste in my mouth however because it feels like the show is saying hey these first 13 episodes meant something and all of the rest of the other stuff that happened doesn't matter like hmm. And so it's it's not like if I really look at it and I'll stop like trying to make excuses with other like whatever. Will is more than fine having, you know, having this moment with them and them reflecting like that. I think just as a viewer who has appreciated all of this other stuff that's happened post season one for them as writers or as the show presenting it as the only thing that really matters is season one. Leaves a bad taste in my See, mouth. See, and I, I think that this plays towards what you were talking about earlier in the podcast. That they were, that with this episode, they were aiming for RBs instead mm -hmm. of SFs. Right. So they were aiming for fans like me who had, who had given up on it and was like, I'm, uh, who either, you know, either totally gave up on it or who were hanging on for, you know, watching recaps and watching Jim Cantiello sing they right. kissed um, because as someone who is much more of a fan of seasons one and two than anything else on the rest of the series, with the exception of Cooper Anderson, um, <laughs> it, it felt honest and truthful. And I liked that because mm -hmm. that's, I'm, I'm the audience that they were, that they were saying those words for, because when I think of Glee, I think of seasons one and two. That's what mm -hmm. I enjoyed most. That's what I relate to. That's what is Glee to me. And so 
I see your point that as someone who much preferred the later um, seasons of the show, you didn't have the same reaction and relationship with the show that I did and with this scene. Right. See? That makes sense. It, it just, it becomes in a matter of perspective and who the writers were aiming for and who, you know, this, as I said at the beginning, and it, it's not really something that really hit me until I started doing these podcasts, but this particular episode in this three episode run is meant for, you know, the It's RBs. meant for me. It's not, yeah. it's not meant for you. Not, no, yeah. I get the mm-hmm. next one. New Directions is meant more for me because it's about not only endings, but also pushing the other plot lines forward. Like yeah. the other, you know, so, and yeah. So that's mm. where I'm at. Does that make sense? I mean, like, I realize in some ways we're at an impasse, but at the same time, I think that it's not like. like oh no! Oh, I, th- I think that yeah. that's a perfect. I think it's a perfectly legitimate way to view it. I mean, it's right. They're they've got two very different audiences for this show, and at each time you can only really be talking to one of those two audiences. And with this one, it's very obviously meant for my audience as opposed to your audience, yeah. and so we're going to have very different reactions. Right. But I think understanding that I, I am less, I have less vitriol towards it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay, this is not meant for me. Right. Okay. Um, I, I will say in addition, I not necessarily about like you or your, the, the, your kind of fan, but like, there's also this. Ooh, we're getting accusatory. No, no, this is something kind of different that it just made me think of, of, of there's like, there's this post that went around that I just saw where it's like, Hey guys, do you remember us surviving Glee together? And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, I realized it was not like fandom was a pain in the ass and I will be the first one to admit that. But like (laughs) to, to kind of, I kind of now look back on everything kind of fondly and, and the stuff that we're still doing and the friends that I've still made, I, I I think, you know, things and I don't feel even though fandom could be terrible at times, I don't. And even if the show drove me batty with the way that they did things, and yeah, I got angry, and yeah, there was some depression in season four, and <laughs> you know, we, you know, we all went through it. But I will never regret that. Give getting into that fandom, going that intense into it, and you know, just. It was insane, and like every good fandom, changed my life. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess I'm just thinking uh, again. It's it's like this this particular scene invokes that kind of reaction to the, that kind of particular like, oh yeah, we survived this type thing, and it just it's a separate thing, and it's not. A criticism that I'm aiming at the show or at RB or at any, you know, just my initial reactions to, oh, I understand that my reactions to the scene are tied up in complicated things having to do with fandom escapades, if that makes sense. So Mm. I thought that post was hilarious. I'm pretty sure I reblogged it. I'm pretty sure (laughs) I might have too. Because, I mean, some days you did feel like you were surviving it. So well, I, yeah. I also think that it's it's very interesting, from a fandom perspective, I think that it's very interesting people whose first large, unwieldy, batshit crazy fandom was Glee. 
And for those of us who Glee is just another large batshit fandom in a long uh-huh. line of, of crazy large batshit fandom, Glee is nowhere near the weirdest. No, no, no. Most I'm, I'm not, that I've been a part of, and so I I find I, it a little. Uh, I don't think that's funny. the same post. There's the there's the post that there was a post that's like, oh yeah, I remember this like, and we talked about all the crazy things that happened. But there's one that's it's a negative spin where it's like. You know, I'm so glad I'm done with this show and never talk about it again. And that was so awful. Um, and I don't think you reblogged that. Um, the, I don't know. There's but, one that goes around. It's like, remember when we all used to be Glee blogs or something like that? So, but anyway, that's, it's an interesting intersection with this particular episode brings us to because, I don't know. Well, because you do have people like me and RB, who mostly watched it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, did, I, I mean, know. I watched it from the beginning. I just wasn't in fandom at that point, but I did watch it from the beginning. But. Right. And, well, and, I mean, I joined fandom in season two, so I don't know when you came in, RB. Season, uh, season one. Yeah, one. I wasn't in, I watched from the beginning, but I was not in fandom until season three, so. And so I think that there is some of that, you know, especially with people who who did join fandom in later seasons, that it um, it's interesting to to see the differences between the the different types of, of people who like, you know, you say you prefer the later episodes, but there are people I know that are like ride or die for season one. Yeah, season but do you two. remember? Do you remember Kitty us playing that game that was based on the first Front Thirteen? Oh my God, and- it was terrible. <laughs> God. And how you and, really when you, yeah. Oh. And we played it like four times. I know. I was sadistic. I'm sorry about that. Um. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's interesting because, like, I, I'm coming from it basically from the outside. Yeah, I've only, please, please share your experience. Yeah, I've only been a fan basically when it all was over because it oh, was never wow. on TV in Germany. So I think I started i basically binged everything right before the last season started so oh, and then i saw the so last season in real time you watched everything one through five and then watched six live yep that's that you know something fascinating. i noticed <laughs> though but to, and, and please correct me if you do not have this experience but something that i've noticed talking to people who have watch the series kind of all together or been, you know, starting in five or six, they kind of enjoy it more as a whole. They don't have the hangups on a lot of these little things that I think a lot of us that have been around forever um, have. Yeah, I think so. Probably because you don't, yeah, you just go to the next episode and that's it. You don't have the time to, you don't have a week time to be upset about stuff. Well, I also know that, so, Personally, for me, there's a big difference between, and I know that a lot of people do not have the same sort of fandom experience. Personally, for me, there are shows that I participate in fandom in as a creative process. And then there are shows that I really enjoy and rewatch and could quote all of the um, words of. Glee is a show that I participated in fandom in as a, as a creative process. It's not one that I would rewatch for pleasure. And I know that I have a very different interaction with properties I consume for fandom and properties that I consume for pleasure. I actually kind of agree. You know, it's something I think people will actually find this 
surprising. I know that when Nadia Creek and I were talking about this, she was surprised to hear this. Um, I don't particularly watch the show outside of my fandom. It's almost like a second job. So like, I, it's not something that I have on in the back of the, you know, for pleasure. I mean, you know I think what? if I watch the show, it's because I want to watch this one specific episode or a lot of times, usually I just want to watch the clean stuff. And back when I had the ability, I don't, I lost access to the program, but I used to have a program where I could clip like the videos, like mm-hmm. I would download the video file and then I would clip it. And so at, at one point, almost every episode that I have, I have a clean only version. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people I, who did that. Yeah. Um, but kind of what I was going to say was that like I but it's not something I turn on and just have running in the background it's like you said at the beginning it's not something that you syndicate yeah Uh, it's um it's kind of a story that I feel like once I get beyond like once I'm done with a lot of the fandom-esque like blogger type things that I'm doing. I think it's going to be something like you read it, reread a good book where I sit down and I rewatch the whole series, kind of like what I do with lost. And then I let it go for a few years. Whereas I can stick in an episode of the office and then just be entertained for like five minutes. Granted, I don't yeah. usually have television on in the background, but like uh, it's love me some office. <laughs> I, I guess I just, um, but then there are things like I really love the fandom aspect of the people that I've met through this fandom. Whereas yeah, it's, when Lost it's been on, crazy the amount of people that I have met in the last God almost ten years. Wow. I like when Lost was on, and I love Lost to death, but I have no desire to be a part of fandom. Um, there are there are shows I think that for everyone and, and people have their shows, you know, there are shows that people enjoy but have no desire or they don't feel that need to get something else out of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. there are shows like Glee and other <laughs> shows that I've I've done fans before. For whatever reason, you feel this need like I don't want to say that there's something missing. Although with Glee, you could probably it is missing, but there was always something missing. So you go looking for that missing piece or that Mm -hmm. little bit Mm -hmm. extra, or you know, or it has a certain writing style that allows you to go into the fandom is is a way to fix what they're fucking up, or or to explore the alternate versions of something. Whereas there are shows that just don't allow for that. And and you don't necessarily need it from them either. Well, there's also, uh, like, for example, I have no desire to ever read Lord of the Rings fan fiction, ever. I can't even imagine. I, I'm sure there I are some great... fathom but what that would be that, like. Oh, my goodness. But at the same time, I also, I think that it's an interesting thing to talk about intellectually. So it's a different way to fandom, like, uh, to do mm, literary yeah, analysis. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, and, that is and, something that I could see that, like, it's not something I would have read. It's not something I'd write. But if you wanted me to look at it, to analyze it in a intellectual way, yes. So yeah, 
so there are different ways to fandom. There's different ways to enjoy things or different way, you know, and it's, I don't know. It's interesting to have that conversation and we probably should wrap up the podcast probably. Uh, because we've done the, the thing, but I think maybe at some point in the future, maybe if anybody's interested, we could have a conversation a little bit longer about different ways to engage in the things that you love. So I'll keep that on the table. So yeah, I anyway. could bring you some ideas for that. Um, do you have opinions no I just there are um, so it's unrelated but uh, when I was in like Buffy fandom and stuff like that there are books that I was actually moving stuff around to make room for said dresser that I got yesterday Uh, and I was looking at my books and I have one about uh, it's called Slayer Slang it's all about the language used in Buffy and how it became part of like you know everyday language and just all this other stuff and I still speak that way and that book is like so freaking fascinating like I just thumb through it and read all the different stuff that they talk about there and that's like a you know they teach Buffy in college yes (laughs) well before we get off on that tangent let me so you know yeah all right well um that kind of wraps up our hundredth episode conversation which i i you know every once in a while i'm a little like okay people don't like this episode or people are you know ambivalent towards it and i always feel like we get some of the best conversations from that because it ends up going into these discussions on i don't know other things and and it ended up being a really great discussion on other things as well as what was going on in the episode so um i want to thank my guests for joining me for it um, I want to thank um, the god Poseidon for <laughs> the sea god Poseidon um, for, for calming down a little bit to let me do this podcast and, and um, just well, I would like everybody. to thank Zeus because I have power <laughs> um and I just want to thank everybody for listening. And um, I, you know, I think I've just, I'm up to close to my 100th episode. So um, I don't know exactly when it is up to look, but um, I've done a lot of these so far. So um, thank you, you for listening. you should have worked and it out so the 100th episode was your 100th episode. I know, episode. but I'm not that clever. Slacking. So I know. Slacker. Um, <laughs> but I hope you guys, or join us next week when we do... With the kind of um, second half of this particular story, or maybe really the trilogy, so the third part, um, in New Directions. Um, otherwise, uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Have a great night. You make me feel so young You make me feel like spring has sprung Like the way he's speaking His confidence is peaking Don't like